0: Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. And no one has gotten the quiz right yet. Very excited about this because Lyle hasn't got it right yet either. And if you can get it right, I'll give you two prizes. Not only will I give you Anna Beaton's album, I will also give you a brand spanking new beautiful Bible. I'll give you a hardcover, beautiful blue, sort of like crocodile cover. Um, Really wonderful edition. I'm going to give you... Mm -hmm. another clue right Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. as soon as I get my Instagram open here we go, by the way if you want to go to our Instagram page, Faith FM Breakfast Show has its own Facebook, uh, Faith FM uh, Instagram page
1: you get to see me this morning with a very puzzled look on my face
0: (laughs) yes, it's hilarious Uh, Faith FM Live, lowercase one word is our Insta name, just search for us and click your finger on the profile picture and little videos will show up 15 second videos Okay. Who am I? Clue. Hang on. Let me have a look. See, I'm picking the hardest one. Yeah, this is the hardest one. Oh, come on. The hardest one that's left of the three clues that's left. Lyle's <laughs> rolling his eyes dejectedly. <laughs> Who am I? Clue number three. I am the father of Ethraim and Manasseh.
1: Uh-huh. I know who that is.
0: Well, let's see you right down then. It's Mighty Pants, huh? Give us a call if you think you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. Or you can text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Lyle does have the answer correct. So the prize today is the Anna Beaton uh, music album. If you'd like some tunes for the weekend, give us a call. Tell us the answer. Win the prize. Very simple.
1: Yeah, now I know why you had two names. It all makes sense. Don't say it, though. I've just been researching a little bit about... Yeah, kind of about this person.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say the Cookies Islands, and I'm like, well, you cannot have your own island just yet, all right? Darn <laughs> it. <That's laughs> Wait till heaven. Do you reckon we'll get our own islands in heaven? My, my own fiefdom. <laughs> I don't know. I think an island might be better than a fiefdom, because a fiefdom like, is within a country, right? So you're still subject to the law of the land. There's going to be someone
1: higher up the food chain. Yeah, yeah, this is Have true. your own
0: island. You are
1: the food chain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now we know Mon's character. Mon wants to be the food chain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just don't want to get munched. That's all I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Queen Monica, right at the top.
0: Yes, vote for me. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? I should have gotten in with this year's election. Are, Are you like staying on top of the election this year? Yeah, more or less. I've never seen such... Such, what's the word? Oh, like, it's almost like a, the Australian public has just given up. They just, they just don't well, care. Well,
1: you know, I, uh, I, I got my papers in the mail yesterday, and and I spent an hour or so just going through and looking at uh, policies of different parties because you, you know, you get this, you get that one big long white piece of paper, and it's got so many different parties on. it. It's like, well, I've never even heard of these parties, so yeah, yeah. Looked a, looked a bunch of them up, found out what their policies were, decided whether I agreed or disagreed.
0: I just I – I, there's just this feeling of the Australians have just lost a lot of faith in
1: politicians. The problem is of- that I found a bunch of parties that um- – I agree with 90% of what they say and then 10% I like super strongly disagree yeah, with. And I'm yeah. just like, what do you do with that?
0: That's it's when you start your own party, Lyle. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I actually was listening to the radio last night. I'm not sure if I should say this on, on, on air, but I was listening to a radio show last night where they just so completely- You to a
1: Faith FM radio show, right? No. Uh, <laughs> you would
0: not want to have heard that show on, on Faith FM, I tell you what, because there was such a complete disregard, a complete and utter faithlessness in- Anything to do with Australian politics right now that they were using? Okay, we
1: would not have wanted to have played that show on. Yeah, that's State what I, mean. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, just clarifying yeah, that. Yeah, just yeah. clarifying. And them.
0: so what they had was they hadn't. They had a, a an animal in the studio with them, and they had pictures of the politicians on the floor, and, uh, and the animal was like walking around. Um, it, it was a goat. And uh, and wherever the goat went to the toilet, they let let it roam around the studio for the duration of the show. And at the end of the show, whichever politician it had um, gone to the toilet on the most was the one they were going to vote for. That's how they decided how to vote. And I was like, has there ever been a moment in Australian history when there's been more disregard and more carelessness?
1: That's disgusting and disgraceful. And those people should be fired and sacked and booted off the continent. I mean, that's just. Yeah, and then they're getting. That's people, not even entertainment. That's just disgusting. Yeah, and
0: then they're getting people to call up and say, "Yes, I'll, I will vote with the goat and do whatever the goat says to do." And I'm like, "Come on, guys." This is your country. This take is, this a little bit is, of pride, is, at least. I mean, I get that you might be so you might this is be a sign of the disaffected and you might be disillusioned by our politicians. But of course, we all solution. are.
1: I'm as disaffected yeah, and disillusioned absolutely. as everybody else. But this is something I take to God in prayer. Amen. And I pray about it, and I you know look at the different policies from biblical principles and decide then, okay, which is the lesser of mm-hmm. a number of evils, and cast my vote accordingly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so do you know what? Even if you think all politicians are liars and are corrupt, you know, which a lot of us hold the same view, um, you should still take the opportunity to shape your country seriously. Yeah. Even if you feel like your vote won't make a difference, it doesn't mean like two wrongs won't make a right.
1: No, that's right because if everybody says that, then of course nothing happens nothing, yeah. and you only get the vocal minority that place anyone in power.
0: Do your best before God. Even if you don't think it's going to make a difference, do your best before God.
1: And this is one of the things that I do like about the Australian system where it is compulsory voting um, because, you know, you look at the US system where a very, very small portion of the population actually vote and they're the ones who get to select, you know, who the president's going to be.
0: Yeah, 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 it's true. It is anyway, true. moving off Australia. we need, to, we need to enjoy the freedoms while we still can, and freedom to vote is definitely one of them.
1: Yeah, and of course, yeah. um, you know Bob Hawke died last night, and uh, so we need to pray for the Hawke family today.
0: Yeah, he's Do you know first regardless prime minister of, I remember?
1: Uh, regardless of uh, of your position on politics, left, right, or indifferent, um, it's always sad when somebody passes away, and there's grief involved in that, and we should um, respect and remember that.
0: Yeah, he. Um, I, I, I'm. He wasn't prime minister when I was born, but he's the first prime minister that I remember. Like when I became aware of you know leadership it and was politics. Such a thing. Yeah, I remember. It, oh, Bob Hawke is the guy at the helm, yep. and that's yeah. He's so whenever I think of um, you know, prime ministers, Bob Hawke's one of the first. People. and then Paul Keating.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yes, indeed. Anyway, let's go to uh, our Bible study of the day. And, Ooh, of course, as we, we go saying? to our Bible study of the day, we have had some phone calls for the uh, quiz, but they were all from the delayed broadcast.
0: Yes, indeed. So, for those of you who might not realize, there are actually two broadcasts coming out of Faith FM every day. So and it all relies, It
1: all relies on the speed of the internet connection at your local transmitter. Yes. So, if you want to have the live show, then you simply need to upgrade the internet connection to your... Uh, local transmitter and you are up and running with the live show.
0: Okay, but how you do that? Because if you told me that I was going to delayed broadcast in my area and I was like, no, I want the live show, and you just told me that, I'd be like, okay, I have to no call Faith it.
1: FM and say, hey, I want to donate do- some money to get our transmitter upgraded.
0: Oh, okay, okay, so that's all it is. Yep. Oh, that's pretty Simple easy. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're not sure which broadcast you're listening to, because we do have a live show and then we have the delayed show, which is yesterday's show played today. It's like a, it's like a recording. Yeah. Um. So, if today is not Friday, the 17th of May, you are listening to Delayed Broadcast. And if it is, congratulations, you are live with us. And
1: if you're not getting the news and the weather...
0: Yeah, oh yeah. If, if, if there's if, no news and weather... <laughs> It's because we edited it's the, it out. Delayed broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it actually would be really great. It would be a great help to us if everyone could just go live, please. Because then our poor producer, Shell, wouldn't have to edit out the weather and the news at the end of every show <laughs> in preparation for tomorrow's delayed broadcast.
1: Anyway, today's Bible study is all about commitment. We've been talking about commitment. We've been talking about surrender. We've been talking about submission uh, all week long. And ultimately, when it comes to families and um, family cohesion, family unity. Um, It rests on the commitment of the family members. Yes. Uh, The Bible is literally strewn with examples of failed promises, broken trust, and lack of commitment. How many individuals do you think there are mentioned in the Bible?
0: Individuals that break promises or just individuals full stop? Just
1: individuals full stop.
0: Oh, dude, like thousands. I
1: have no idea how many. I tried to look it up and I did not find an answer. Dr. Google was not supplying me with an answer to that one this morning. But there are a lot...
0: But I guarantee you that all those broken promises would have come courtesy of the human race.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the Bible is a big book, so it has plenty of room to talk about uh, lots of different individuals. Its history covers, you know, a 1,400-year period. And so, you know, it's just not like a big book about, you know, one year in somebody's life. Uh, this book spans 1,400 years. It's around about 1,100 pages. It is full of many, 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 many individuals. And, of course, if I was to say, can you give me an example of somebody who, uh, within a family context, broke a promise?
0: Uh, yes, I could give you them.
1: Okay, give me one.
0: Uh, Adam and Eve's family.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> like
0: the first one. They've stuffed you it up. You start right there. Pretty much all the way through. Pick you any st- family, and they've stuffed something up there. Uh
1: huh, uh huh. And you can work your way through from there. Even those early genealogies is just all the way through the Bible. Broken promises.
2: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
1: Yeah, you can. So you can start with Adam and Eve, and then you can go on to Cain um, and, and Abel.
0: It just gets worse from there, and it just it? goes. It just
1: goes downhill from there. Yep. Okay. So, um, all right. What I want you to do then, out of those uh, eleven hundred pages, fourteen hundred years, thousands of different characters, give me an example of um, what uh, a, a family that has shown true commitment to each other.
0: The whole time.
1: Yeah, find me one. They're there.
0: Uh, Oh, actually, do you know, probably, um, I mean, not extended, but within their family unit, uh, like Moses and Zipporah, not counting Miriam and and Aaron.
1: Okay. Why do you say Moses and Zipporah?
0: well, Well, they seem pretty cohesive throughout their marriage. And you don't really hear about Moses' kids going AWOL, do you? I mean, there was that yeah. one incident with the with the circumcision, but I don't think that that was so much. A,
1: that was just Moses being slacked. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That wasn't really a, a conflict between them. Yeah,
1: that's 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 because that's because men sort of see. You know, gray areas and women is just like, no, it's black and white, get it done. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh huh.
1: Yes, I see this in my relationship sometimes. Okay, so um, let's go to Genesis chapter. Actually, while we're on the subject of Moses, let's go to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, and we're going to look at a few different kinds of commitment here this morning this particular commitment is going to be child parent child commitment okay and I think this is probably out of all of the different commitments this is the one that is the most sound in our world Um, I think that parents um, you know more committed to their children than some of the other commitments that they have so even when you see a marriage breakup you will still see you know the two partners who have now separated Uh, maintaining a very strong commitment to their children, sometimes an even stronger commitment than what they had before. Uh, There are a number of reasons for that. One of them is that uh, obviously they fear losing their children to the other partner, um, and so it's it's, it's somewhat fear-driven, but there's also... You know, when when you've got a long-term relationship and somebody has been used to being in, you know, an intimate relationship where they sort of talk about everything, they share everything together. A lot of those kind of conversations are transferred to the children when um, the the marriage partner either dies or uh, the marriage breaks up. And so, um, yeah, commitment to kids is one of those things that I think that we have quite strongly in our world. Um There are some notable examples of failures, but this is a great example of how far people will go for their children. So Exodus chapter, what do we say, chapter 2? Start reading for us in verse 1, please.
0: About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three
1: months. Okay, why was she keeping him hidden?
0: Mm, he Background to the story. No, <laughs> there's more to it than that. No, it was because Pharaoh was in the process of um, killing all the Hebrew baby boys, uh, and so she didn't want him to be uh, slaughtered as
1: well. It's interesting if you go to the British Museum or somewhere like that or Egypt and you see statues of this particular Pharaoh, he is the most. Um, he is the most mean-looking individual you will ever come across. He has this massive downturned mouth, and he just looks super aggro.
0: Look, if you're going to be- kind Every of,
1: statue there is of him, he looks incredibly aggro.
0: If you're going to be the kind of person who orders the slaughter of thousands of babies, yeah, going that's to going to really twist your mind really to the point to where true. your outward appearance would also be twisted. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and the artists who were carving his face, they didn't hold back. They just yeah. carved it as it was. Uh-huh. Alright, so I keep going. So yeah, the decree has gone out that every male child born to the Israelites was to be killed. The Egyptians were fearful that they were being outnumbered. It's a little bit like, you know, with, we have with immigration. Yeah. People are fearful that another culture is going to take over because we have you know too much immigration from this country or that country or the other country and we're going to lose our culture.
0: Yeah, and, and so they so, basically committed genocide to protect their way of life. Yes, rather
1: yeah. than closing the borders or building a wall or whatever else it might be, they committed genocide. Yeah,
0: which infanticide. is Infanticide. Yeah, in, yeah, infanticide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, verse three. But when she could no longer hide him, she made a basket out of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him.
1: Okay, so she's done rather well, I would think. You know, because babies are not the kind of uh, yeah. humans who uh, are particularly s- particularly secretive. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, babies don't really go sneaking around, do they?
0: Not at all. <laughs> they're, they're babies kind of more like, like a car to, alarm.
1: Babies like to know make their their presence known. And, of course, you know, the uh, the towns and villages of the Israelites who were, who were slaves would have been well patrolled by Pharaoh's um, soldiers to kill any baby boy that was born. And she has done remarkably well under the penalty of death uh, because, you know, her life would be forfeit if this child was found um, and possibly the, the life of the entire family. But she has made a commitment to this child. She has committed to it, um, I should say, they not just um, Jochebed, but Amram, his father as well, they as a family have committed to this child with their life and they will do anything they can to keep this child alive.
0: Jochebed being the mother.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so now they have a situation where being slaves, obviously uh, we would assume that they are working through the, through the day and uh, so uh, big sister has to look after the baby and it's like, well, where do you hide the baby? In and the so river. They've decided to hide, literally hide the baby in the river, um, build a, uh, a little raft made out of of uh, papyrus reeds, little reed boat, put him in the boat and uh, float him amongst the reeds where nobody can see him.
0: This is literally one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. It's just incredible. If You think about it, you know, a desperate mother weaving a basket and then lining it with tar and pitch and that would have had to dry before she could put her baby in it and just, you know, s- stealing down to the river and high, oh, it's just the imagery and just... You can really feel the mother's desperation. Like This is the kind of love a mother has, and this is the kind of love that God would have for us. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you sort of wonder, you know, was this something that, okay, we're going to uh, permanently keep the child down there because um, the village is constantly being raided. So did the, did, were they, was the expectation that Moses would live there, you know, sleep there day and night? This is yeah. where he would grow up, would be, you know, amongst the reeds by the river because that was his only chance of survival. There's a, there's a definite level of desperation here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd, and to be honest, because like, if you think about it, even you know, once he grew up, there would have been a weirdness because he would have been the only boy his age because everyone else would have been killed. And so I don't think the mother was necessarily thinking that far ahead. She's probably just like, Do you know what? Every day, one day at a time, let's just keep him alive. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And Ooh.
1: every day she would have uh, got down on, her, on knees her knees at the end of that yeah. day and thanked God that he was still alive another yep. day. Yeah. Okay, keep reading.
0: Ah, uh, let me see. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son.
1: Okay, we can stop right there and let's just uh, look at a little bit of background information as to what is going on here and to why it was that Pharaoh's daughter, uh, the princess, actually chose to adopt this child. Mon, you got any thoughts on that?
0: Uh, it is a bit weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, the Egyptians are trying to eradicate a lot of the Hebrew slaves, and it's a slave, so, you and know. Why
1: does why does she adopt this particular child?
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's, well, may, does, has it got, was she barren?
1: Okay, this is a very good question. You see, um, the Nile River was a god mm. to the Egyptians. They had many gods, and it was called Happy H-A-P-I, not uh, P. <laughs> Why?
0: (laughs) Did it mean happy though?
1: (laughs) Um, And it was the god of fertility and childbearing. And so if you were infertile or if you were struggling to have children, you would go and pray to the river.
0: Gotcha. So
1: there is every possibility that she was struggling to have children. She was struggling to have an heir to the throne. Uh, We do know that this particular dynasty ended with this particular pharaoh. It didn't continue on. Um, and, you know, and, and so she's struggling to have a uh, a child. And so it would make sense that she would go to the river to pray for a child and then the river provides her with a child.
0: That would have been so symbolic to her. To go oh, yes. down there and pray and find a baby.
1: She's praying for a baby. and She finds a baby. What are you going to do? Take that baby's life?
0: Oh, no, no way.
1: Because then you are in great danger because you wonder how was it that, you know, Jockabed and the family and everyone was actually able to survive this. This is Tammy Larson. I keep you to his heart.
3: Wind is blowing down the quiet river. A shining road that carries you along. Oh baby boy, my love will last forever. If you're to live Give you up to God. I know our God will guide, protect, and keep you. Teach you faith and hold you by the heart. give you to his heart I wish
4: there
1: was uh tammy larson with i give you to his heart here on faith fm we were talking about uh moses and the commitment that his mother made to him that jockabed and uh of course his parents made to him the whole family made to him really to keep him alive uh which really was a miracle
0: that song was actually written um from the perspective of jockabed to moses from a mother to a son so <clears throat> if you listen to those lyrics you would have been quite touched because yeah they are, they are quite heart-wrenching really if you think about it you know, she knows that the only way she can keep him alive is by giving him up. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, of course, if you place yourself in uh, the princess of Egypt's shoes, if you've gone to the river to pray for a child and the river provides you with a child um, and then you decide, well, this is the child of a slave woman – um, I can't keep... This is the child that is actually condemned to death and so it needs to be executed. If you execute that child, what what, what message are you sending to Happy the River God? Yeah, and, and You would gods, not want to be offending that yeah, guy. Yeah,
0: the gods had um, uh, prevalence over the, the pharaohs. So even the pharaoh had ordered the, the execution of the babies. You'd sooner want to obey a god than you would want to obey a pharaoh. And you have a
1: pretty powerful argument with the pharaoh to keep this guy alive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's just like, yeah, you want to you mess with the river god, then uh, the river god's not going to turn up. In fact, you know, Happy was the god of uh, the flood of the river. He wasn't actually the river itself. He was the flood of the river. And the ri- and the flood of the river was how um, Egypt irrigated itself because they have no rainfall. And so the river would come up. It would flood the land. Um, the river would go down. The land would be moist. Um, they would, you know, obviously catch water everywhere that they could and they would be able to have a harvest without the river flooding there was no food.
0: So you want to keep this god happy if you're an Egyptian.
1: Absolutely yeah. and so when you know Joseph has his period of um, <laughs> you know seven years of famine that's not because it didn't rain that's because the river didn't flood for seven years mm. and so this is a god you need to keep happy at all costs. You do not want to offend this god.
0: Happy has to be kept happy.
1: Happy has to be kept happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay so a little bit of the historical background to that particular story and to why Moses Life was spared, uh, but we have to be impressed with the lengths that you know Amram and Jochebed went to keep their child alive and the commitment they'd made to that child. And then, of course, you've got the rest of the story because they raise him Mm. until the age of 12.
0: Yeah, you know, God, when I read this story, I just can't help thinking how incredible it is the way that God worked the whole thing out. Yeah, you imagine fine-tune that thing.
1: You imagine if you are given the opportunity to raise, raise the crown prince of Egypt
0: and be paid for it, like raise yeah, your yeah, own yeah. kid and get paid royal money for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. yep
1: But um, also, if you're a slave and your your nation is under, you know, just tremendous um, oppression from the Egyptians then uh, you can um, you can understand you know the amount of effort that they would have put in the amount of commitment they would have made to that child to raise him to be a servant of God
0: yeah absolutely
1: yes even though Moses did Managed to mess it up somewhere along the line. Okay, let's look at some of the other commitments that we have. Um, let's talk about the story of Ruth. Oh, yes. Yep. Do we have a story of commitment there? And who is making a commitment to who in the story of Ruth?
0: Ruth is making a commitment to her mother-in-law.
1: To her mother-in-law. Mm. Now, this is significant. It's not so often that, uh, you know, nope. we, all, we, we often talk about the outlaws, don't we?
0: Have you ever heard of the, there's a plant, a pop plant called Mother-in-law's Tongue? And it looks like a snake tongue, like a witch tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Which just kind of speaks volumes of the world's culture in terms of how you look at your (laughs) in-laws.
1: Nah, but um, in-laws can be fantastic. In-laws can be the greatest. They can be the best. And, uh, you know, I I speak from my own experience. And, you know, it's just one of those um, stereotypes that we like to turn into a bit of a joke these days. But Ruth was somebody who was so committed to her mother-in-law that she was prepared to leave behind her family. She was prepared to leave behind her nation. She was prepared to leave behind protection because protection was afforded by the male members of the family, uh, of the extended family. And, of course, she is a young girl travelling to a far country with an elderly woman. She's going to a country where... You know, Jewish people they do not mix with Gentiles, and so she's got no hope of getting married. She's got no hope of having children. She's got no hope of having social security in her age. You know, in, in her old age, um, she has burdened herself with aged care because of her mother-in-law who can't take out, can't look after herself. And when she gets there, she has been reduced to the uh, status of being a beggar, which is lower than a slave. Uh, because she's out gleaning in the fields, and she has done this because of her commitment to her mother-in-law. Yeah. So all I can say is that uh, you know, um, when, when when you read this story here of of Naomi and Ruth, Naomi must have been just a very very special person who had a tremendously powerful witness because it wasn't just her commitment to her mother-in-law; it was her commitment to God.
0: Amen. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely true. Yeah. And it really is a beautiful story because you know if you think about it, not only did uh, Ruth leave behind you know her family, her friends, her culture, but she already, she she kind of left behind her religion too.
1: Yeah, that's right. She did. She's like, "Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Mm-hmm. Where you're buried, I will be buried. Nothing will separate us." She just made you know, and she just just put a foot down, and that was it.
0: Yeah, I'm coming with you.
1: And it's interesting because uh, then of course um, she uh, she marries Boaz. And you might wonder, you know, why was why was it that Boaz was open to such a relationship in a culture where those kind of relationships were looked down upon? But we need to remember that Boaz was half Canaanite. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he was a descendant of uh, Rahab. Um, Rahab. Yeah. And so, of course, he would have been much more open-minded than one of the other, you know... Uh, purebreds. <laughs> purebreds who had more rights, so to speak, to marry Ruth than Boaz did.
0: It's interesting to know that any time you see family uh, honouring each other, um, you see God's blessing follow.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's also interesting that when you look at King David, who was the greatest Jewish um, hero of all time, he was actually a quarter Gentile.
0: Ah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit like you. He had a bit of exotic in him.
1: He had, yeah, he was, a, he, was a, he was a mixture. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what about marriage commitment? It's a good example in the Bible of marriage commitment. Well, Somebody who makes just a total commitment. It's like, okay, that's it. I'm not moving from it.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, um, Hosea was very committed to Goma, even though Goma was sadly not very committed to Hosea. And I
1: think Hosea's commitment is a great example in the Bible of um, of forgiveness you know, and redemption, forgiveness, redemption, commitment. and commitment. Of course, you know, he had no requirement <laughs> to take Goma back uh, from a moral perspective. And neither do we, you know, in our day and age, if somebody, you know, sort of goes down the same path that Gomer went down, but he chose to do so.
0: He was extremely committed to her,
1: and this was a lifelong commitment because mm. he remained faithful to her. You know, she left. She left him for decades. Yeah, um, and lived the life of a prostitute. And at the end of her life, you know, he buys her back. She's being sold as a slave. He buys her back, and she becomes not his slave, but his wife. Yeah. You know, that's a really special story that you've got right there. And it's an illustration of God's commitment and God's love to us. In fact, when we look at all of the commitments that we have here, which are, you know, um, which are, are, are relationships that work because commitment has been made. When we look at all of them happening here, it all of them are an illustration of how God relates to us.
0: I think it's important to note that all these uh, illustrations of commitment These characters, the commitment starts with a commitment to God. Yeah. It starts with a commitment to God, which then um, bleeds into a commitment to their family, commitment to their wife, commitment to their kids, commitment to their in laws. The commitment, if you want to be a committed person, you're going to start with being committed to God.
1: Absolutely. Um, And of course, if you go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, one of the greatest promises in the Bible is written there, um, which, uh, you know, we probably should all memorize, where Jesus simply says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when Jesus says that, he absolutely means that. And if you're listening today and you're feeling you're know, a little bit out and alone and by yourself and forsaken by family and friends, cling to this promise here and take it to Jesus today. Go to Jesus Christ. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. This is Josh Wilson with What a Mystery.
2: To Faith FM, Positively
0: Different Radio. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number sixty-three.
1: Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout?
0: Sure is, and it starts 10 AM every Thursday.
1: Great! I'll see you there.
4: I feel discouraged
1: You're listening to Marion Blythe Feathers with his eyes on the sparrow. We have time for another clue for our quiz. What have you got for us there, Mon?
0: Yes, indeedy. We have a, what is this, the second last clue for our quiz today. It is a What Am I quiz, and the question is thus. Wait, wrong side of the quiz card. <laughs> By the way, we
1: have mentioned this person already in our Bible study today.
0: Yeah, we did actually. We did. Uh-huh. Um, not the main one, but one of them. Uh, okay, so second last clue. Who am I? Jacob is my father. Hmm, who All right. was
1: Jacob? The one, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, the one who was the father of Ephraim and Manasseh. Who might that be? If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number. And you can win an amazing prize that is going out this morning.
0: But for now, it is time for our Q of the D, our question of the day, Lyle. Really great hypothetical question. Love this question. Actually, I don't think this is hypothetical. I'm sure this has happened somewhere in the planet. Uh, oh, absolutely. There's not a hypothetical yeah, yeah, throughout throughout question history. at all. Yeah. Okay. If the government creates a law that is opposed um, to, by one of God's laws, like which do you break?
1: Yeah, very good question, and uh, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter five and verse twenty-nine in answer to this. Acts chapter five and verse twenty-nine, where Peter is speaking. If I if my uh, if I remember rightly, here Acts five and verse twenty-nine, the Bible says here. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, "We ought to obey God." rather than men. This was a situation where God had told the apostles, go preach in the temple. Uh, the Pharisees said, no, you're not allowed to do that, um, and, and the priests and so forth. And so they said, well, we have to obey God rather than men. And so when you have a law that is in direct contradiction to the Word of God, where the Word of God specifically says do this and the law says don't do that, then our responsibility is to obey God's law first. There are a number of great examples of this in the Bible. If I go over to Daniel, one of my favorite books of the Bible, chapter 3 you have the story of the three worthies in the fiery furnace and of course they were condemned to death. You know, The law of the land said, you must worship the golden image. They refused to worship the golden image, and as a result of breaking that law, they were condemned to death. And in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful or full of care or full of, or stressed out to answer you in this question. If it is so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, O king, we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. And so it took a very, very strong stand to disobey the law of the land even when capital punishment was involved. And so we should always obey God's law before we obey man's law. And this is one of the blessings of living in a country where you have separation of church and state. Where you have separation of church and state, it's very, very rare or it would be very, very strange that you would get a law that would actually command you to break one of God's laws. Uh, Now, of course, you know, as time progresses, we get nearer the end of time, we're going to see a lot more of those laws coming into effect. Uh, But the reality is that we have enjoyed relative peace, you know, for the last hundred years or so in Western civilization, Western society, as a result of having separation of church and state and having secular governments and secular laws and people then following God according to the dictates of their own conscience. However, just in case. Just in case you are tempted to take too broad a view of this concept of obeying God rather than man. And, you know, even maybe you find some people who go so far as like, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not even a citizen of this country. So therefore the laws of this country don't apply to me. Nope. Not so. They do apply to you. You are under the laws of the country in which you live and you are duty bound to keep, keep them while ever you are not Disobeying the laws of God. So let me go over here to uh, 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, and we will read verse 13 and 14. Uh, The Bible says, Submit yourselves, we've been talking about submission, to every ordinance or law of man for the Lord's sake whether it be the king as supreme or governors as unto them that are sent by him, that's by the king, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those that do well. And so the Bible is very, very clear that we should always, in fact, as Christians, we should be the most law-abiding people that there are in our society, provided it does not violate our conscience and the law of God.
0: Thank you so much for answering that Lyle if you have a question give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number and just before we go to our song we just want to announce the quiz has been answered by Michael from Coorenbong, good on you Michael, super pleased to hear you got that right the answer of course was Joseph Michael you'll be getting uh, Anna Bean's album coming your way ASAP this is uh, the Isaacs, the one I'm dying for
4: its me they're mocking and i for now is all that matters
1: was the Isaacs with The One I'm Dying For, and that brings us to the end of the show.
0: Yes, indeed. It is the best time because we're about to give some stuff away for free. I thought
1: you were going to say it was the best time because we, uh, I was going to be, get get all scandalized. Like, no, this, this is the saddest time. We, we, we don't get to talk to all of our listeners. <laughs> show's love over. We love you guys.
0: <laughs> oh, the show
1: right. could go all day.
0: Yeah, Do you know what? That'd be awesome. I'm all, I'm all down for an all-day radio show. Do you think our listeners would get sick of us if it was just yes, all-day modern life?
1: They would. <laughs> we would get sacked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, don't don't worry. We we're going to get off air very shortly. We won't be. We will give you a, <laughs> a break. Somebody longer. else can come on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but we do have some free stuff to give away, and this is why it's the best part of the day. Uh, we are giving away a really great copy because we just talked about you know laws and um, you know the end of times and and uh, separation between church and state and what happens when church and state don't get separated. Mm-hmm. And this book is going to blow your mind if you were interested and intrigued and want well, to does know have more a- about. But I have a
1: picture of a bomb on the front of it.
0: It has a picture of the globe that is cracked open like a clam and inside is a bomb that's about to go off. Yes. Um, one of those yeah.
1: old school ones, an artillery, a round artillery shell with a wick hanging out of it. The
0: ones you see on cartoons. Yeah. Um, give us a call if you want to copy this book. It is called The Great Controversy by E.G. White. It is a glimpse into the past, a glimpse into the present, and a glimpse into the future. Um, world events, crazy stuff. This is going to explain a lot of things for you. This is uh, one of the most life-changing books books you'll ever read, Uh, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843 is our number. First person to call through will get a copy, The Great Controversy by E.G. White.
1: There you go. So give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491 064 669, or contact us via any of our social media. And of course, um, as we remind you every day, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, then uh, we can set you up with a Bible study. Uh, somebody to study the Bible with you in your home Nothing better than that the Best way to spend the day